then a week. I just feel like there was a lot personally that went on this week. But not like last week. In fact, today's guest has a lot to do with last week. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of An Hour of Your Life. My name is Kim. And my name is Steve. And we, it's been a challenging week. On Monday, we had a doggy death in the family that was kind of unexpected. Um, and that was really, really hard. And then Tuesday, um, we actually, we have a guest with us today. And she's actually been on the podcast before, but it was in a completely different context. I think that we have mentioned before on the show that we have a granddaughter named Nora who has been diagnosed with something called intractable epilepsy, which basically means that she has epilepsy that is not easily treated with medication. And so her mom, Sarah, has agreed to come on the show today and um, just kind of talk to us about Nora's condition, about epilepsy, epilepsy awareness, um, just kind of what... Support groups. Yeah, support groups, resources. So welcome, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Take a bow. Yeah, right. Uh, All right. So Sarah, let's go back to the beginning if if you okay. if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about when you first discovered that Nora had a seizure disorder. Okay, so she was about three and a half years old. This was March 2020, right before lockdown happened, um, like a week before lockdown happened. We were on our way from, actually, we were going to church, and she said in the car that her arm every she, it would fall down. I was like, well, that's what happens when you hold your arm up, it's going to fall down unless you hold it there. And I remember even telling her Sunday school teacher, if she tells you her arm's funny, she's just being silly. Don't worry. And all the way home, she kept telling us her arm was still being funny and she was looking at it funny. And we still thought she was kind of playing, but maybe suspecting, oh, maybe her arm hurts or something. And when we got home, it got really bad. It looked like her, it wasn't her arm anymore. It was her whole body. It looked like she was having a stroke. I didn't know she was having a seizure at the time because it wasn't what you would typically see on TV. It looked like a stroke. So we called 911. She was rushed down to the children's hospital and she spent a week in the hospital having every test done, like blood tests, MRI, CT, lumbar puncture, EEG, and she ended up having a brain biopsy. They put her on Keppra. And she didn't have any more seizures for about 14 months. Um, On her CT and her MRI, they found a calcified lesion of unknown origin on her right hemisphere that they suspected that was where her seizure activity was coming from. Um, So 14 months later, she had another breakthrough seizure. It looked very similar to her first one, but a little more mild. Um, She was rushed back to the hospital. And we changed up her medication, which worked for a few months. And then in November of 2021, she started to basically spiral out of control with her seizures. It started, she would have one a day that were, they didn't look anything like the ones before they had started to change. So they looked like it was, um, she would say it was more of a sensation, like a sensory feeling in her arm. And eventually that would change. But she about had about seven a day for a while. And we began trying to change her medication to see what would work. Um, her seizures started to progress from focal seizures to general seizures where she would lose muscle tone in her head. So her head would drop down. So if the first time I saw it, I thought she was, again, joking because this was brand new. I didn't know this was a seizure. Um, she would be sitting at the table and all of a sudden her face just collapsed into her food. And then she's four-year-old kid. No, I don't do that. Don't be silly. And then we realized when it kept happening, when we saw it happening again and again, like, okay, this isn't her being silly. What's going on here? So we contacted her doctor and they tried to tell us, oh, it's probably narcolepsy with cataplexy. So we had to fight for an EEG and it was then confirmed that, okay, she is having these more seizures, which are called atonic um, head drops. 
Um, we tried to find more medication that worked, but nothing really stopped it. And her seizures kept progressing to where she then had what are called negative myoclonics in her hand. So her hand, she would hold her arm out and it would drop every couple seconds. Her arm would lose complete muscle tone and she would drop and it began progressing more to where her whole body would collapse. Um, and then her seizures kept getting worse and worse to where she was having hundreds uh-huh. and hundreds a day. Um, she eventually got to the point where she was having tonic clonics, which are the ones where you mm-hmm. have like the violent shaking of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, she had one a week of those in July. And then we had been talking to her doctors. I think her doctor and I got to the point we were on first name basis before <laughs> she was referred to neurosurgery. And when she came into the neurosurgeon's care or an epileptologist's care, they put her on a different medication. And then all of a sudden, those seizures stopped, those tonic clonics. And we haven't seen any of those again, but she's still, they changed up her medication a lot at that point. And it had her pretty much under control. I mean, there were other things going on. She tried out the keto diet for a little bit, and that helped. Um, but I can talk a little bit about that later. Well, you really. But, Hang on. You oh. really you really glossed over that first yeah. week, that first time in the hospital. Yeah, because, we're, we're going to get into some of this. Yeah, we'll get into that. But, I mean, yeah, you, we went from everything to... story. Yeah. Yeah. So, that first week in the hospital... Okay, now we're talking about Cincinnati Children's, right? It's... Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Which, top-notch hospital. Which is one of the leading hospitals in the country, if not the world, for children's it's neurology. one of the top five pediatric neuro- neurological hospitals, yeah. Yeah, and we'll get on. We'll talk about Boston later too. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that first week, it was unknown. I mean, they went from everything to brain cancer to this to that to this before they came down with that initial diagnosis, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. That was that was a rough a rough week, very yeah, hard week. Yeah. <laughs> and and especially too, um, you mentioned that it was right at the beginning of shutdown. So mm-hmm. imagine, um, you know, going through something that you know is your child's brain, but your support system is not allowed to be there in the hospital with you. It, it was it was a lot. It was. Yeah. yeah. Best I remember, it was you had to have a pass to get up there mm-hmm. and they would let us in one at a time. Yeah. And even then it was mask and everything else because yep. COVID was just starting. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so she came in through the emergency room. They moved her to the ICU until she had a bed in neurology. And then after she was in the neurology department, that's where she was um, released from or discharged from. Yeah. And then that's when all that's this. When all the rest of it That's started. when everything else started right there, right? Um, no, a lot of it happened when she was in the ICU. She had her lumbar puncture in the ICU. She had a lot of the tests done in ICU. Um, it was, I think, only like the last three days she was in the hospital that she was in neurology that first week. Yeah. And so after that, after this, this initial diagnosis, did they give you any plan of treatment or any anything for um, the future or what? At, at that point... It seemed that she responded really well to Keppra, the kind of the first drug of choice when you were um, treating epilepsy. Um, she's responded really well. It, she had a little bit of aggression, but that's treated with a B6 vitamin, and that helped pretty much. We didn't have any problems with it. She was also sent home with a rescue medication, and we didn't have to use it for 14 months. Um, no, actually longer than 14 months because her first seizure breakthrough didn't require medication because it was under five minutes. But that's pretty much what you're told with. There's not a lot of education that comes from the hospital when you're presented with this new diagnosis. It's just, here's your medication. Um, if she has a seizure longer than five minutes, um, administer rescue medications and call the hospital. If it gets still continuing, her seizure is still continuing after three minutes after you've given rescue medication call 911 and that's what we were told and that's what we eventually had to do again now i want to back up just a minute because Mm -hmm. you mentioned several different types of seizures can you kind of and i think a lot of people um 
I, I was kind of familiar with focal seizures, which to a lot of people are just present as sort of like zoning out sort of. Um, and then there's the tonic clonic seizures, which are what most people think of when they're seizing, but there are so many others. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yes. So the zoning out is actually not, it can be a focal seizure. It can be a focal impaired seizure, but it's actually an absence seizure, which is a generalized seizure. Um, so there's lots of different kinds of general seizures and there's focal seizures can actually present in so many different ways. Um, hers focal seizures can present in a lot of different ways and they've changed over time. So the first one, her first focal seizure that eventually generalized to the big, um, generalized seizure that she had, it started on her left side where she couldn't move her left arm that progressed to her left leg. And eventually she started slurring her speech. And this is where it became started to generalize when it started to cover her whole brain. Um, slurred speech, she started drooling and then she eventually just went unresponsive. Um, so that's a general seizure. The tonic clonic where you're shaking is a general seizure. The atonic head drops that I mentioned, those are general. Um, that can affect your whole body. You have myoclonic jerks. Most people have a myoclonic jerk. So instead of losing muscle tone, it's a jerk of your muscle. So she is, has the opposite, oh, which is, her doctor says is extremely rare. Is that what most people think of as like a grand ball seizure? No, a tonic-clonic is what most people would consider a grand ball. They okay. don't use those terms anymore. Um, so tonic-clonic is what it is referred to as now. Okay. And that is the one that you would typically see on TV, like the big, shaking, violent yep. tremors. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some of the different kinds of seizures that you can have. Um, focal seizures are a little more, I think, what I've been told, I think focal seizures can be harder to treat. But don't, I'm not sure if that's true. Um, Is it because they present so, like, it's such a varied presentation? I'm not sure about that. You'd have to talk to someone more qualified for that. (laughs) No, I do. I do. No, I do want to say, I want to stop you right there for a second because Mm -hmm. Sarah is. I honestly trust Sarah more than I trust some doctors because not necessarily epilepsy, like, you know, people that go to school for epilepsy, like, okay, but you have read an insane amount of medical journal. Like you don't just jump on Google. You read medical journals, you read published studies, you read all the amount of stuff that you have self-educated. It's astounding to me. Well, when it's your baby that's going through it, you want to know whatever you can. You try and arm yourself with knowledge when you're facing something like this because it got, she got really, really bad last year and her doctor didn't know what to do. Nobody knew what to do. She's still a medical mystery. We don't, she's, nobody knows how to fix her. It's it's a really rare, it's a really rare thing that's going on with her, right? Yes. They don't know. Well, the reason that it is is because when they looked at her scans, her MRI and her CT scans, they can see this calcified lesion and they assumed that's where her seizure activity came from and maybe it did. So her first EEG, they showed all of her seizure activity coming from the right hemisphere where that lesion was, which would be consistent with focal epilepsy, focal being like one point of origin. However, when her seizure started to get worse, it looked like her seizure activity was spreading. And so on her new EEGs, not her new ones, but some of the ones that she had last year, it showed seizure activity coming from her left hemisphere. Is that normal for seizure activity to spread? Does that happen often? I, from what I've heard talking to some of the other moms in their experiences with their children, Mm -hmm. yes, seizures can spread like that. Um, I don't think, it might not be common, but because I think the moms that are on there might have, it, I don't know. It's just the ones w- that are seeking help yeah. are probably going to be out on there more yeah. often. No, that makes sense. If you are managing your kids' seizures, then, I mean, obviously it's, it's a challenge, but mm-hmm. if you're managing them, you're not necessarily looking for people to give sort of advice help and insight advice. and help. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes no. sense. Right. Now, so I'm not sure. There's no statistic on that that I'm aware of. I'm sure now, there is, but I don't know it. 
the reason why some of the medication basically why it worked initially and then what what was the reason why it stopped working yeah can you what is intractable an intractable intractable means medication resistant so after you have failed two medications you were considered to have intractable epilepsy um nora has been has had prescribed to her 12 different 13 13 different epilepsy medications now um and it goes from there's different the, epilepsy medications are difficult um they affect your brain different ways and they have all different kinds of side effects that go with it um you can't have some together there it's a big mess and they're a beast in themselves capra is a really safe medication. We were sad when she had to be taken off of that one, but after she failed Keppra, they had to keep increasing it. Um, the rage was unbearable. So when she got to the point where we couldn't take the rage side effects anymore and we had to keep increasing to keep controlling her medication or her seizures, I'm sorry. Um, it was considered that she then failed Keppra and we began a new one called Trileptol, which was supposed to be tailored specifically to focal seizures. Um, she had a few good months on trileptal, um, but it ended up not being able to work either. So we put her back on Keppra and trileptal, and that's when she began polytherapy. And um, what is that? What is polytherapy? Polytherapy is just more than one medication trying okay. to treat seizures. And then after that, we tried Berbiact, which is supposed to be a better version of Keppra with less rage, but it one of the side effects she had with Berbiact was, I'm pretty sure, psychosis oh. and rage. And she developed ticks, and it was a nightmare. So we had to take her off of Berviac, and we began Vimpat, and Vimpat made her seizures worse. Oh <laughs> so, my gosh. And it was a nightmare. Um, eventually, she was put on Depakote, which they said was a mood stabilizer because of all the psychosis and rage that she had with Berviac. They said, oh, she needs this mood stabilizer. It'll help with Depakote. It's a tried-and-true drug. We know how it affects. Depakote almost killed her. So... She was a zombie on it. Her liver enzymes were elevated. Her blood counts were down. Her platelets were down. It was a mess. She was lifeless. We celebrated when they finally checked her blood work because I double check her blood labs. <laughs> so when I saw her blood test on Depakote, I called the office. Are we sure we want her on this? Like, did you check this? And then they called me back and said, you know what? Let's, you're right. We had the pharmacist look over it. She didn't stop taking this tonight. Mm. So it was bad. Um, and she was put on, her epileptologist gave her a new prescription with Onfi, which is a benzodiazepam. And then she was put on also zanisamide. And later, after her um, phase one surgical evaluation, where they saw that she was having negative myoclonics, her epileptologist said, let's try um I'm not so sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but it's ethosexamide, which is typically used for absence seizures, but they said sometimes kids respond with negative myoclonics respond really well to this, and he was right. She didn't have any more of those until for about a month. <laughs> we saw them starting to pop up, but they began to present differently than how they had. So everyone, so what, that's what we're, where we're at now still. She has... Maybe one a week, maybe one every two weeks, and it gets worse if she's tired. It gets worse if she's sick. Um, but we don't see a whole lot during the day. Thank goodness. Thank all the good news in the I, universe. But she has nocturnal seizures now, and that's what we're dealing with. And I do want to reiterate, these seizures mm -hmm. started when she was about three and a half. And how old is she yeah. now? She's about six and a half now, almost six and a half. Yeah. So. This has all taken place over the last three years. It's not like yeah. she's like 15 and this has been going on for years and years and years and years. These medications, 13 medications in three years. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Now, Norma, Nor, Norma, grandmother, Nora <laughs> is developmentally, she's fine. She's on par She's doing fine with all the medications as far as where she should be for a, a young girl her age, right? No. <laughs> she, yes and no. So I'm her mother, but I think she's getting <laughs> <in. laughs> 
but I thought, I, I think that most people can see that she's a very, very bright little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's always been that way. But last year when everything started to go downhill and we had to put our on polytherapy and all these different medications and so many seizures a day, we saw a huge regression in just everything. Um, accidents, cognition, her memory, it, everything was really, really, really affected by the seizures and the medication. We had to go for a neuropsych evaluation to get her baseline. They're like, well, this is not her baseline. This is her baseline on polytherapy with lots of seizures. It's not where she was a few months ago. And um, it was, we got to the point where we homeschool and thank goodness we did because she wouldn't have been able to go to school the end of last year. Um, It was, she was in and out of the hospital. She was constantly having seizures. It was, there's no way she would have been in school. So thank goodness we decided to homeschool her prior to this. Um, But she, and the other thing about that is we can tailor her education to where she's at because before her seizures came out of control, she was five and doing like upper level schoolwork. And then fast forward to this year and she's doing the same schoolwork that her four-year-old brother is doing. She was also, I believe, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, there's such a regression and we recently within the past couple of weeks weaned her off of on and taking her off of Onfi has been one of the best things we've done for her because yes, it did help control her seizures. It made them stop for a while, but then it failed. But taking her off of Onfi has been one of the greatest things we've done for her since then because she's starting to look more like herself again. Um, she was on 15 milligrams of Onfi a day and it took four weeks to get her off of that. And in those four weeks, like I feel like, I not have completely half my kid back, but that was going to be another huge steps in the right direction. Yeah. Is she, so she, is she starting now? I know what I see um, Mm -hmm. as somebody that is not with her literally 24 seven. Do you feel like she is, so you do feel like she is starting to kind of catch back up. Yeah. Do you think that she will, I'm not sure how to phrase this in a way that doesn't sound like a, like I'm a jerk, but do you think that she will catch back up and then some, or do you think that she will catch back up and just kind of maintain and be sort of like at grade level at age level? Does that make, do you understand what I'm asking? Um, I don't know because we, I mean, I, I hope that she will catch back up and keep progressing to where she was before. Um, the way she's heading right now, it looks like it. Cause I mean, it, it was about a year that she was having this huge regression and so many uncontrolled seizures and her seizures are still uncontrolled. But I mean, in just like two weeks is when we've seen the biggest kind of catch up because oh, wow. she's been off of on fee for two weeks and like the less and less that she had, the better it was, but just being off of on fee these past two weeks. She's remembering things from like years ago and we, she hasn't mentioned things from years ago this past year because like her brain's been so fogged, like her brain has been numb on all this medicine and on all these seizures. But just in the past two weeks, she's starting to remember things again. And so that's very, very encouraging for us. Well, let's, let's go back. I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt, but let's go back and let's catch up medically because she just went through this other procedure because I think I interrupted you for the first time for a question, then we got completely <laughs> off track. Yeah, yeah. But let's, okay. if you can, let's catch back up to what this latest procedure was and what's going on with that. Um, well, I'll take you back to phase one first. Okay. <laughs> so phase one surgical evaluation she had done, that was back in June, I believe. Yeah. 2022? Um, so she, uh, June 2022, yeah. So she had... She was in the hospital for a week in the epilepsy monitoring unit. So she was on an EEG being video monitored for a week. Um, She had a MEG scan. She had a PET scan. She had a MRI, a functional MRI, um, some kind of other PET scan. I'm 
it was, or, I'm sorry, ictal and interictal PET scans that she had. So they had some kind of nuclear dye and she was off of her medication for that week and they were waiting for her to have a seizure, which guess what? She almost, she was almost completely seizure free. <laughs> Go figure. So yeah, of all the times. But I think that was because of the keto diet that she had just been on and it, I don't know what kind of magic keto worked on her, but it helped. Um, but eventually again, she started having all the seizures, but nothing like the hundred she was having. Now it's kind of like maybe one a day, a few a day. Um, I do want to mention in itself was a a miracle, but that's not what we're talking about. (laughs) I don't think that most people realize that the keto diet was developed for epilepsy as an epilepsy treatment, but it, I mean, just like any medication, it, there was, I remember you calling it a honeymoon period. Like it worked for a while and it was great, but also it's hard for adults to follow. If you Mm -hmm. were a six year old and you get to see people having, you know, the rest of your family having foods that you can't have, that's not fair. So I totally understand why keto it, it was just not feasible for you guys. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, much like well, if if Kim goes on a diet, I go on a diet. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, being vegan was hard. The, that was the main thing that made it so hard to do keto. But I mean, we tried to eat our meals as close to hers. And on an epilepsy diet, it's not, or for keto diet, it's not a trendy fad diet to lose weight. It's a medical diet that's monitored by a nutritionist and her doctor. Uh, We had to report her ins and outs for every day. She had ketone blood tests. Um, We had to take blood sugars every day. It wasn't, it's not like your fad diet, but let me me, me jump in real quick before I forget, because I'll forget. I just Uh want to be totally clear because as soon as you said vegan, people are going to go, ah, that's what's causing this. Nope. No, No, no. it's like everything she's done has been doctor approved, doctor supervised and all that stuff. So just to clear it up, being on the (laughs) vegan diet has nothing to do. And I can assure you that Nora is all three of your kids are, not malnourished in the least. Sarah's got, kids are beasts. They got a lot of. So, they got a lot of energy. They, they do yeah. a lot of energy. Yeah. No. And I remember actually when she was the very first seizure she had, I told her doctor, "We're vegan. Does that have anything to do with it?" He said, "Nope, that has nothing to do with it." And they know we've met with nutritionists. None of her doctors. None of her very very fancy incredibly intelligent doctors have a problem with her vegan diet. And when the nutritionist at the hospital asked about what she eats every day, they have one of them said before, I should probably start eating more like she does. (laughs) So no, it's nothing to do with her vegan diet. Um, Okay, so back but, to phase one surgery. We yeah. keep okay, getting off back track, to sorry. Phase one. <laughs> well, I, I got to um, interrupt while it's in my brain. Yeah, so that's okay. Um, so after her phase one, that's when they kind of tailored her medication specifically because they found out she has this rare negative bioclonic seizure and she was on three medications when she left there. And she had a pretty good couple months where she was mostly seizure-free. Um, but they recommended that she go through to phase two of her surgical evaluation. And all this is leading up to hopefully resecting that lesion, hoping that that would stop her seizures. So she went through a TMS test. Um, She did more blood work to make sure it wasn't any kind of autoimmune disease, which side note, um, watch brain on fire or read brain on fire because that's fascinating in itself. Um, Then we did um, a would eventually led to her SEEG. So that was where they surgically drilled into her skull and put electrodes or leads into her brain. Um, But because she has this vascular calcified lesion on her brain, they had to do it differently. So she only had two on each hemisphere put in, whereas most people, I think, have like upwards of 13 electrodes put into their, yeah. So, I mean, we were more comfortable with it because it was only four, but they had to put it in at different angles to get like underneath her lesion. Her surgeon's amazing. Um, This stuff is absolutely amazing to me. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're sitting here talking and just 
Like it's no big deal. I mean, it's fine. The, there's just put stuff in her brain. There's a lot it's of yeah. there's a lot of advocacy you have to do and stuff like that as a mother mm-hmm. and checking up. But look, I mean, we cannot put it down at all. She's got some of the best surgeons, some of the best medical care in the entire world doing yeah. this, and it's just so rare. It's yeah, it's different. Everyone at Cincinnati Children's is yeah. miracle workers. Her epileptologist, yeah. her surgeon, the nurses. Everyone there, like we bring cookies to them <laughs> all the time. And just to be so grateful. <laughs> and just to be safe, you took her to Boston Children's yeah. for a second opinion. And that And what did I, they say? So Boston is the number one neurological pediatric hospital in the country. And they I mean that was disappointing when we went. Um it probably wouldn't have been for any other family who didn't live. 30 minutes away from Cincinnati Mm -hmm. but they basically said they don't know what it is either they would have to do all these different tests and they said they they would do nothing different than what Cincinnati's doing and to keep her at Cincinnati and that was disappointing that they didn't know what it was but it was reassuring knowing that we were at the right place with Cincinnati yeah yeah Mm -hmm. okay so let's get back to phase one phase two phase Um, two two now phase two yeah, so her phase two, after I think about three days on her SEEG, she had a few seizures, none of the, and there was like this new seizure that she has now where it's this fuzzy feeling. It's like a really mild focal seizure that she has. Um, we didn't get any of her other seizures on um, captured, which is disappointing to me, but I guess they didn't. Worried, they weren't worried about it because they saw activity popping up from the left and the right. Um, but it looked like her seizure activity had spread to the left. It was not originating on this lesion on the right side. And knowing that, they said, okay, we're going to take the leads out because resection is no longer an option for her because it wouldn't do anything um, since her seizure activity is coming. It looks to them more from the left than the right now. And resection is basically just removing that lesion that is on the surface of... Um, no. That would have been a lesionectomy. So it would removing the lesion would be a lesionectomy. That's what we had been hoping for. I think I said resection. I'm sorry. Um, but you can have your lobes resected. You could have different like things resected, like focal cort- cortical dysplasia. Like different things can be resected. But we were hoping to have the lesion removed, but they said it would have been risky because it's a vascular structure. Mm-hmm. They don't, I'm not sure exactly how to describe it other than it's just like an abnormal vasculature is what they say. Um, it would have been risky to have it removed anyway. I tell you what though, and we, we talked about this as mm-hmm. grandfather inside. I was actually a little relieved at that because yeah. all I could think of was, you remember Caleb? We, yeah, we used they, to know they, somebody who yeah. had these really a lot, a lot of seizures. And, and at Cincinnati mm-hmm. Children's, they did this. But when Caleb had to have this done, they basically had to take off essentially the top of his skull and lay mm-hmm. a map over his brain. And so yeah. I, just, and that wasn't that many years ago. So yeah. as a grandfather, I was like, look how much it's progressed. That, you know, by the time she's maybe 15, 16, you know, hopefully sooner, the technology will be there that we don't know. We can't even imagine what they might be able to do because like, these are some incredibly smart people oh, yeah. doing yes, this. they are. Yeah. yeah. And what I say, how I describe it is that it was both devastating and the biggest relief of our life, knowing <laughs> that she wouldn't have to have yeah. brain surgery. Um, are they concerned about the lesion? Um, no, I don't think they are. Um, the kind of seizures that she has, her doctor told us, make sure she doesn't bump her head because that can actually cause a seizure. Um, they said, don't even like tap her on her head. But I mean, when she was having these drop attacks, don't tell me that because she's constantly hitting her head because she was just constantly falling down. But we found some kind of, we we had to find ways to protect her head. So we had a helmet for her for a while, but it was hard to wear um, in the summer. So we found a concussion thing. We put a drop harness on her. She had a really cushioned mat to have at the table, like different ways to 
try Uh-oh. and control. Yeah, the baby's waking up. That's Julian. <laughs> That's Julian. Um, Do we need to take a real quick pause? No, he's got a boob. He's okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're leaving that in. <laughs> Julian is being nourished as we speak. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but there's different organizations that can actually help provide these different. They're really cool. For her. I was really yeah. surprised. There's some pretty stuff. Like there were, um, there's like headbands and stuff that are actually mm-hmm. really pretty stylish and pretty cool again. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's different organizations that help provide different well, things let, to kind of keep kids safe, but we so can come back to that a little more because we still keep going away from what she just had done. Um, yeah. So when we got the news that she couldn't have the resection, they said that this other option called a VNS would probably be the best option for her. And VNS, so VNS stands for a vagal nerve stimulator. Your vagal nerve runs from the base of your brain all the way down throughout the rest of your body. It runs through your neck between your carotid and your jugular. And what they do, it's basically a pacemaker for your brain. So they implanted her VNS device on her chest. And then they have another small incision in her neck where they attach the leads to the vagal nerve. And then they kind of put a wire from the nerve, the leads down into the chest and they give it like room so she can grow with it um and where she has it set now because they have to titrate up the voltage the output for a long time because otherwise it would be intolerable for her but right now she has it she just got it placed on tuesday and it goes off every five minutes for 30 seconds and it's supposed to just reset the brain and stop your brain from having seizures they don't exactly understand how it works but it works somehow it does yeah well in 10 percent of people they come out seizure free um but her doctor said we're hoping for a 50 percent reduction have you seen her. any reductions it's sunday now so this has only been a few days yeah. have you seen um, any reductions it's way too early to tell okay so it's we won't see any kind of difference for at least six months because she's on the absolute lowest setting right now. Mm. And um, so next week she goes in and she's going to have her device turned up a little bit and they have to do it so slowly because the first day she had it, when her device would go off, I guess it would kind of tickle her throat. So she would cough. And when it would go off, it made her voice sound like her voice was vibrating, kind of like a robot almost. Um, thank goodness though that didn't that only lasted for a few hours that first day it was already gone by the end of the day but we should expect that every time it's titrated up I can make your voice sound like a robot here (laughs) we're not going to Um, so so she she knows and I uh, explain about the magnets too because I and and the way that you okay wait let me back up a minute she mm-hmm. has, we mentioned that you have Let's three Sarah kids. Let's tell that. I'm, well, oh, okay. we mentioned that you have three kids. Yeah. Um, Nora is the oldest. Mm-hmm. And she has two younger brothers. Uh, you just heard Julian. Jameson <laughs> is four. Julian's yeah. got his mouth full right now. He's <sighs> fucking. Okay. So Jameson is four. Can you talk a little bit about how Nora's epilepsy has affected Jameson? Um. Jameson is an amazing little brother. He he's just got such a heart on him, and when he's older, he's just going to have such a deeper empathy for other people because of what he's seen his best friend go through. Um, so when Nora was having her drop attacks, he would run over to the freezer and get out a bag of frozen peas, wrap it in a towel, and bring it back to put it on her wherever she'd been hurt. When we had to call 911, he had the four-year-old had the sense to go and put the dog in the kitchen behind the gate and open the door for the paramedics. Like, he's an amazing little boy. He's really incredible. <laughs> yes. Um, and, like, there were some times I would tell him, like, run and go get Nora's medicine because you can't leave a child seizing. So right. he would run and get her medicine for her. And, and I mentioned Jameson because I want to go mm-hmm. back to the, the um, 
magnet thing. So can you explain the magnet thing? And then I love the way that you explain to Jameson and Nora how to do the magnet. So can you explain okay. all of that? Yes. So the VNS comes with a magnet. Um, it's a really powerful magnet. They told us to keep it away from all credit cards. Mm-hmm. But when she's having a seizure, we can put her magnet over her device for two seconds. And that two seconds will tell the device to send out a extra burst. Um, so it's a longer, I think they said it was a minute and it was a stronger burst to try and kind of shock her brain out of the seizure that she's having. Um, they said we can do that once a minute up to five minutes. And if she's still seizing at that point, then she would get her rescue medication like before. Um, but from what other people have said, the magnets are really effective in making the seizures either less intense and faster or just help the, um, post period. Okay. So, and then, and how did you, how did you teach the kids how to use the magnets? <laughs> well, my children are <laughs> obsessed with Pokemon. They love it. So we, when we were trying to explain the VNS to Nora and Jameson at first, we were like, Oh, it's kind of like a Pikachu box because they were watching Pokemon all the time. I love like, the like, story. Pretend there's a little Pikachu inside this box they're going to put in. And Pikachu's going to send like thunder shocks up to your brain. And that kind of helped them understand it. But we kind of elaborated on it. And we told him like, <sighs> my geek is showing. But we told him like, <laughs> pretend there's like a Psyduck. And Psyduck's having a headache. And when Psyduck in your brain has a headache, it causes a seizure. And you're, we like the magnet we said is like ash and we say put ash up to the pikachu box which pikachu, is the VNS i choose you <laughs> yeah we say like mm. pikachu thundershock and it sends like an extra thundershock up to the side deck and they i love understand. it so much That's i love how it i understand it now <laughs> i love it okay so yep. we're we're on an hour of your life and we're close we're, to an hour we? yeah, no we're not quite there but okay, i w- i really want to get into like the support and resources the advocacy and all that not 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 trying to ignore Nora, but you caught us up but let's i'd like to move on to all the resources and the support and the education Mm -hmm. process and just everything to because you've had to do a lot for other families yeah yes um so there's And what I was talking about when she was having all these drop attacks and how we were trying to find different ways to keep her safe. There's an organization called Danny Did. Um, They help provide different ways, different devices to help keep kids safe from drop attacks, from SUDEP, which is um, sudden unexplained death and epilepsy. Um, So different devices to put on kids when they're sleeping at night to make sure that they wake up in the morning the next day because we've had too many close calls with that. And she has a pulse ox rig that she wears. Um, But they have listed lots of different um, devices to kind of help. They have drop harnesses, um, different things to put on your head, different like foam mats that you can wear or put on the table so that you don't slam their head into the table if they were to have a drop attack. And I think they even have grants. Um, so that's a really, really neat organization. It's named Danny did after their little boy that they lost to um, epilepsy in his honor. Um, there's another organization called the Charlie Foundation, which is all about keto. So when Nora was on keto, we spent some time on their website and learning about keto. They've got some recipes and other things that just lots of um, education about keto and the MAD diet. And that's a, another really cool organization to go to if you are trying to learn more about medical keto diet. Um, there's the brain recovery project. So any kids that have any kind of brain surgery fighting epilepsy, you can go and get registered with the brain recovery project. And they have lots and lots of resources on there for uh, before and after, but mostly after your child has any kind of brain surgery, just to how to get them back on their feet. Um, Cause there's I mean, brain surgery can be devastating, but They have so many different resources to get your kids back to where they are. And like so many kids, like when they have 
half of their brain disconnected their other side. Yeah. But they come out seizure free a lot of the time, which is amazing. But I mean, they have to have a lot of support because their left side or their right side would be like severely weakened at that point. So a lot of the kids need braces on their feet to make sure their foot doesn't drag. And there's just lots of different, um, resources on that website. It's a pretty cool one. Um, the epilepsy foundation in itself is kind of where you may want to get started because it teaches different, what different seizures are different, like, um, forms of epilepsy because there's different syndromes that they can teach you about. They can also teach seizure safety. So you can, um, if you have a child that has epilepsy and you want your child's teachers to, be a little more conscious of how to help your child if your child is seizing. They have it. They can take a seizure safety course through the Epilepsy Foundation, and they do fundraising all the time. It's a really good resource as well. Um, there's another one called Hanatopia, which is another cool one because when your child has epilepsy, you have to go in for frequent EEGs. And they provide these really cool, they're called Nilly Noggins. I really want to get one for Nora. They're cool. Um, But they're like these really long stocking hats that you put over top of all the leads so that it's it's just more comfortable for your child. They don't have to have their head wrapped in all the gauze, which is uncomfortable and ends up like sliding off and they have exposed leads. So you can put this Nilly Noggin hat on and it keeps everything safe and tucked away underneath the hat. Um, but they actually, they sponsor kids too. So you can get free ones through them if you, um, get sponsored, but it's a really cool one. I want one for North. Mm Um, and I think I had another couple of resources written well, down. But while you're, while you're, under any baby, so while you're, while you're talking right here, Kim's writing them down and she's, we she's will on her computer. put them. Yeah. We'll put them yeah. in the show notes. We'll put yeah. links to all of them. So the send us, yeah, yeah. Send us a uh, text or an email. With, I got them with all that. Yeah, and I, we'll, we'll put them on notes and on the webpage. Yeah. I'll have a few more written down. I can't okay. get to right now with the baby, but I can <laughs> send you them. But um, I do want to mention there's a really good book for kids that helps kids understand. It's called The Great Kitty Kate Explains Epilepsy. Um, we read that book all the time, and it really breaks down epilepsy for kids and different types of seizures and how to care for yourself. It's I highly recommend it. If you're new to epilepsy, it's a really good book for your kid to kind of understand and kind of like get rid of the worry that goes along with it. Now. You said that, like, so with new parents who are just starting to go through this, mm-hmm. there are support groups that someone can talk to with a parent who's been through this and can talk and understand and help them cope and mm-hmm. move on through this process? Yes. So there's really broad epilepsy parent groups, and then there's even really specific ones down to the specific gene that might have, um, might be causing your child epilepsy. So you can get as specific as you want with the epilepsy support groups. Um, The broad ones are a really good place to start, and then you can kind of find other families that have similar experiences or syndromes and they can offer more like specialized support experiences to that. Um, are you going yeah, to have to, are you going to have to start one specific for Nora? We don't even know what it is. <laughs> they don't know what they, they basically told us. They we're at the point where we we're not going to worry about what it is, what caused it and just how to treat it anymore. Hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, been a toll on the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <okay. and> that's. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but for the most part right now, she's in a really good place. That's good. And she's, she's recovered really well from her surgery a few days ago. She's itching to get back to ninja school and turning cartwheels and climbing the monkey bars, but we're still waiting for her post-op and, for her to get the green light, but otherwise she's been really well, doing well. Um, she doesn't have any limitations right now that, well, other than post-op obviously, but 
her seizures are pretty well controlled at the moment. So she can go and climb the monkey bars. And we really just have to kind of watch her, make sure that she gets plenty of sleep. And when she's sick, we're a little more, a little have a little more of a closer eye on her. But in general right now, she gets to go and play if she wants to. It's at nighttime where she just kind of sits bolt upright and we know that she had a seizure at night. That's basically all we're dealing with right now. Now, long term. I mean, no seizure is a good seizure. So. Right. Long term. Mm-hmm. What is what is her life probably going to look like? If, if we maintain maybe slightly better than status quo. Mm-hmm. So if we maintain slightly better than status quo at this point, she would be, she wouldn't be able to drive. Um, you're not allowed to drive in Ohio unless you're six months seizure free, but she, I, I don't know, her dad's sitting here with me. She would most likely be able to live by herself at this point because she has her seizures are focal aware. So she's very aware when it's happening. Mm-hmm. She'd probably be able to administer her magnet to herself or her rescue medication to herself, whatever she needs. Um, I, as her mother would have great deal of difficulty mm-hmm. <laughs> with letting her go and do anything like that. But, um, well, I, you know what? And, just, and she understands like she doesn't, she, this is just how her body is. Right. Does she? No, <laughs> I mean she understands it, but I mean she's six and she's yeah. It's hard on her. She doesn't. She tells me all the time it's not fair, and she's a hundred percent right. It's not fair. Um, she doesn't like taking all of the medicine that she has to take every day because it's a lot, and she wants to be able to just go and play. She doesn't like that. Um, maybe I'm a little overprotective, but there's times where she's not allowed to go and do things that other kids might be able to do. Like I'm not comfortable sending her out for sleepovers when other kids might be able to do that. Um, she has, I make her wear a life vest when she goes swimming because I mean, seizures can happen out of the blue and we don't want to take chances with that. Um, she was rock climbing not too long ago and, she put have been she should have been wearing a helmet like it's not real rock climbing she was had a auto belay so she was like perfectly safe from falling but she jumped off but when she jumped off as high as she wanted to go she kind of twisted and bumped her head on the wall mm. and she as she bumped her head she had a seizure there and it wasn't a bad one with my fingers quote unquote but I mean, it's still a seizure, the seizure that she had one. Right. So she probably should have been wearing a helmet, but okay, now so, we know. We don't yeah. make that mistake again. Yeah. yeah. So. so that that's how Nora's doing. How mm-hmm. how about you and Marco? How are you doing? How you how are you holding up? How do you get I don't want to say relief, but how do you cope and how do you deal with this and how do you go on? Well, I've recently taken up crochet. <laughs> <laughs> And you can stab things. My house is becoming a museum of crochet. (laughs) (laughs) I've made a shawl. I've made some slippers. I've made some seatbelt covers. I'm making some dolls. I made some doll clothes. I made some blankets. I crochet a lot. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not been an easy path to take. No, no, it hasn't. Um, Right now, we can kind of breathe. Um, Last year. I had to take a lot of anxiety medication and it was traumatic. And I feel like we had been living in survival mode. Um, I mean, because it wasn't safe for her to walk across the room because she would collapse and she had to get stitches or she would chip her teeth. Um, She would get black and blue all over her face. It was not safe for her to walk across the house. Marco has been pretty much a rock for you too, hasn't he? Yeah, you couldn't ask for a better dad or better husband. So he's always there for her. He's, his boss is great. He lets him off work when she's rushed to the hospital, when she has surgery, when she's got stays in the hospital. Marco stays at night. I'm there with her in the day, with at, with, at the daytime with the boys, and then Marco stays at night with her at the hospital. Um. I mean, it's a lot. You know, I didn't want to get into this, but mm-hmm. since we brought that up in work, 
how much of this you have insurance for all this and how, yeah. how, how, did, how does your insurance cover and how you doing or how's, how does that you, work? How, how's it working? Um, well, we have pretty good insurance. Um, but even still with our really good insurance, they didn't want to cover one of her new medicines. The one that I think is also kind of helping her cognitively come back. Um, it's a, Epidiolex, it's a CBD medication. Um, it's a little controversial because it's from what it's derived of, but it works really well so far. And um, our insurance company denied it, and then they denied it again. And her amazing doctor did a peer-to-peer with our insurance company, and then they finally approved it. Good. Um, and it's, yeah, <laughs> thank goodness, because um, we've seen, it, seen a huge, huge improvement since she's been on this one. But a lot of people, when their insurance will deny this specific medication, they give up. CBD isolate, nope. They go to um, like the Charlotte's Web CBD and they, oh, that's another organization that I wanted to recommend is Realm of Caring. So they are located out in Colorado and they offer free um information about CBD specifically for epilepsy. So if you can't get Epidiolex with um, your insurance company, if your neurologist will prescribe it for your child, you can contact Realm of Caring and they will walk you through step-by-step which CBD to buy, um, how much to give, and they're an amazing group as well. Um, I have been in contact with them and we have Charlotte's Web sitting up on our counter, but we haven't had to use it because, thank goodness, we had her prescription approved. But just knowing that there was an organization out there that was telling us exactly how much to give so that we weren't giving her too much, we weren't giving her too little, um, just knowing that there's a very well-informed organization out there that can help was a big relief. Then. Yeah. I want to make a point here, too, that Mm -hmm. like with the CBD, I know a lot of people Mm -hmm. think, oh, that's just this, this and that. But like we said and we established, some of the best neurosurgeons, neurodoctors in the world Mm -hmm. went to bat and say, she needs this. Yeah. So it's not like some flaky off the wall treatment that's going on. The doctors recognize it's needed and it works. Yeah, absolutely. They do. Um, there's some people absolutely swear by different, uh, they called it artisan brands is what her doctor called. And, um, you can get batch numbers to see exactly how potent the CBD is in those batches of, um, whatever over the counter stuff you get. So you can do the math and thank goodness I'm no good at math. (laughs) But, (laughs) But I mean, you can figure out exactly how much to give, how many drop, and it would um, work the same because you'd be able to see exactly how much CBD is with their lab tests that they provide. Um, I know Charlotte's Web does that. Okay, and so a you few others that do. You not you not tried any ivermectin, have you? Oh my god! No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to go there. Oh my gosh! I don't want to go there. I don't know there. what that is. I'm that's, sorry. That's the <laughs> that's, a, that's a COVID reference. Never mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. So what what do you, as the parent of an epileptic child? What do you want to see change in the system? Not necessarily as much as like drug development, but just with what is broken right now and that is fixable now. Um, that's a loaded question because there's so much. <laughs> um, I mean, if you think of breast cancer, do you know how in October you see pink ribbons everywhere? Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. There should be like my mom had breast cancer. I'm really thankful that there's so much advocacy and awareness for breast cancer, but I want there to be an amount for epilepsy because like one in 25 people have epilepsy. And I that's think a high third, statistic. That's a lot. Is. And a third of people who have epilepsy has uncontrollable epilepsy. And that's a lot of people that need help. Um, some people, like, a lot of medications will help. They'll give you like decent control. They'll give you a lot of control. Some give you no control. But all those medications come at such a high cost. Um, the side effects are 
can be like unbearable. Like I mentioned, Nora had psychosis at one point. Um, she developed tics. She was a raging little kid. Like if you know Nora, she's so sweet. She's the nicest <laughs> and, little girl. Yeah. And she threw a like really heavy glass ball at her brother's head one day because she was raging because of her medicine. Mm-hmm. And like, that's not her. And it was Dumpst- unacceptable. Dump- dumpster so, head. Oh my gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> that's a whole other story. Another Jameson story. once slid into a dumpster when he was sledding. He's fine. Yes. He was fine. He has a hard head. It's fine. Kim yes, has a habit okay. of Nick giving all the kids nicknames. Uh, yes. Jameson became not, dumpster head. He does. He does not like that. <laughs> I don't like that either. But um, yeah, so he just that those side effects were just unacceptable. So we kept. That was another reason that we went through so many medications because even though like maybe her medication was helping control her seizures, the side effects were unacceptable. So we had to find a new medication because, I mean, it was unacceptable for my daughter to stab me in the face with a pencil. It was unacceptable for my daughter to headbutt her brother in the nose. Like it gets to the point where you kind of pick or choose. Do we want the seizures or do we want the side effects? And that shouldn't be an option. Like that shouldn't, have to be something that parents have to face with epilepsy. There should be better medications and better options for kids. Um, surgeries, even I think her surgeon is amazing and I'm incredibly grateful to him. And all across the board, the surgeons, like not all epilepsy surgeries work. Like a lot of them fail. Um, thankfully her surgeon has been so good. And I'm glad that we have where we live, where we live, and that we have her doctors that we have. But there are so many kids that go through the process of having a whole lobe removed, and then their seizures still come back. Um, There's a specific family that comes to mind in one of the support groups where her son had a resection, and while he was being operated on, he had a stroke. Wow. Um, Yeah. Like, it's there's not a lot of good treatment. There's no cure for epilepsy. Um, when we, when she was in her phase two testing while she was hooked up to her SEEG, um, another doctor came in and asked if they could do a research study on her where they were going to try and provoke seizures so that they could study more. And I was like, yes, absolutely do it <laughs> because we need more information and research on epilepsy because they, a lot of times they don't know or understand the brain. Why you're, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. There's just so many, so many unknowns, and there needs to be a lot more research. Like if you um, have a heart condition, they know exactly how to treat your heart condition. They can fix it. Um, it the heart is, they understand it. They know it. They know how it works. They understand it completely they don't understand at all how that, well, not at all, but they don't have that same understanding with the brain. Right. Well, Sarah, we're, we're, we're coming up on an hour. This is really fascinating and interesting, but um, I, I just want to say that, that Nora is a brave little girl mm-hmm. and she just, she's done so much. She's been through so much and she just keeps plugging on. She's got the Absolutely. best little attitude. She's the sweetest mm-hmm. kid. We yeah. love her. She's so gentle, so sweet. And you guys as parents, like honestly, she could not have been born to better parents. You guys, I know that you a lot of times feel like the struggle is real and it totally is, but you, I've never, I've never seen anybody who is so persistent with doing what is the hard stuff for their kid. And, and you just always seem unfazed by it. And, and I know inside, maybe that's not how you feel, but that is the, the strong face that you present to the world. And, and you just are amazing. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right, Sarah, thank you for coming on and taking the time. I know I, you know, when I say I know it's hard for you to talk about, but I know that you are wanting to get the word out and to advocate for this. And so, mm-hmm. but but we know we know what you're going through. When so. is Epilepsy Awareness Month, by the way? November. All right, there you go. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Sarah, thank you for coming on, and we'll talk to you later. Yep. Thanks for having me. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. 
there's yeah, so I mean, much I know to be unpacked with all that. It's uh, and it's so. I don't know. It's weird because we watched it unfold yeah. firsthand. I mean, this is our family. And so it's it's a little weird kind of going back through the timeline and going through everything. I, I don't know. It's just, it's strange. But they absolutely, I mean, they're uh, amazing. Ama- and I know, yeah, that's, that's you know, family. But they really are incredibly yeah. resilient and awesome and if, fortunate if, and wonderful. If anything happens out of this podcast, I mean, it's going to go, we listeners all around the world, I mm-hmm. hope. There's a little bit more awareness for epilepsy and what it does, and a little bit of understanding. Yeah, and um, we will put uh, all of those resources, the websites that Sarah mentioned, in the liner notes, in the show notes. Um, so you can definitely go to um, the notes section of wherever platform you're listening on, and you will see all of those resources. All right. Well... I think that's going to about wrap that portion of it up. Kim, yeah. how does anybody get hold of us if they want to know more about the show or about epilepsy? Yeah. Um, if you are interested in epilepsy, definitely drop us a line at alosthour at gmail.com. We will be more than happy to forward your messages and questions on to Sarah, who will be more than happy to answer them. Um, if you would like to find us on social media, we are on Facebook and Instagram. We did have a Twitter, but nobody ever did anything with it, paid attention to it. So we just are not, um, I do it every week. I know you do, but nobody ever interacts with it. So no, there's not really, I mean, I mean just th- drop it. There's not much point, but we, d- we are on Facebook. We are on Instagram and we do have a website, a lost hour. Or, pff, that's our Gmail address. A lost hour at gmail.com. Our website is anhourofyourlife.com, um, where you can find all kinds of good stuff. You can find pictures that are related to the show. Um, you can find pe- previous episodes, I think, on there. You can find how Steve's guide on how to do your own podcast. You can find a minute of your life, which is a little series that I do um, via TikTok every week on a different topic. So there's all kinds of fun stuff over at anhourofyourlife.com. Most of our interaction with listeners comes from either Messenger or through email. Yep. yep. So, okay. So there you go. All right. Anything else we need to talk about? I think that is it. All right. So if you like an hour of your life, stop by and leave us a good favorable rating. Please. If Yeah, please, please, please. And if you don't have anything nice to say, just... Have a, we have, it. have a nice day and don't even yeah, <laughs> pretend like we didn't even talk about this. But uh, I guess that should wrap it just about up for tonight. That's about it. All right. So from our studios in Sugar Creek Township. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. We would like to put a disclaimer that although Sarah has learned a great deal by reading medical journals and doing research, she is not a medical professional. So please do not take anything that she has said as specific medical advice. Um, this is definitely visit the resources that we have offered that she has put out there. But talk to your doctor. Talk to your doctor before you engage in any sort of treatment on your own. Yeah, and this is. Sarah's experience. Yep. Okay. Thank you.